It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, guys, you are Locked On Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today I am joined by the Falcoholics, Kevin Knight, to recap the Falcons' week two win over the Philadelphia Eagles. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So you guys know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years at falcfans.com, which no longer exists. Rest in peace. I'm on Twitter at falcfans and, of course, the host of this preeminent, world-renowned, illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. And today I am joined by a preeminent, world-renowned, illustrious guest. Of course, we're joined by Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic. You know him from the Falcoholic live show that he does on a weekly basis. You follow his content on the Falcoholic, uh, everybody's favorite Falcons blog, uh, much superior to the Falcons.com, rest in peace. Uh, but Kevin, welcome back to the show. Man, just all these digs at the Falcons.com. It, it hasn't been in the ground for like more than a week, and we're just burying it even more. No, no, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I was sad to see the site cl- close down because it was like an icon of you know Falcons fandom for for some time. So it's it's sad to see it go, but uh, you know we we all eventually move on to you know other things, and it's it's just the way of things. Yeah, all things must all good things must come to an end, as they say. So yeah, um, and you know. Sometimes all bad things must come to an end, which is the Falcons' losing streak. Uh, yes. So good things must begin for the Falcons with they coming off of their 24-20 win over the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. A very sort of promising performance that got a little hairy at the end for the Falcons, but they wound up prevailing in the end. Uh, I sort of called it an ugly win, but it was kind of a must-win. And so whether you win ugly or not, if it's a must-win situation, all that matters is the W, I'm sure. I'm curious, do you sort of agree with that assessment of the game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, avoiding the 0-2 hole is a big deal. Um, it's it's just difficult to dig out of that. I mean, we know the stats. I think it's like 15% of teams that go 0-2 end up making the playoffs um, or something like that. It's it's not a good place to be. Obviously, you can you can crawl out of 0-2, you know, 0-3 and 0-4, basically impossible to crawl out of, but um, getting into 0-2 then puts you at like, okay, well, if we lose another game, then we can just start doing draft takes. So I'm glad we've avoided that scenario for at least a few more weeks. But um, yeah, I mean, getting getting the win was very important, regardless of how ugly it was. Um, it, you know, they, they had some moments. They also had some bad moments. Um, but on the whole, you know, I, I was I came away satisfied because this is a team that the Falcons have struggled with for like three straight years now. So even getting an ugly win against them was pretty satisfying uh, to me personally. So I'm not going to, you know, I, yeah. I wasn't overly critical. <laughs> it's like, it's the Eagles. It's an NFC contender, you know, just get the win. I don't care how, how bad it looks. Yeah. And you would probably say if they had managed to sort of make the plays that they needed to make in the last two times they lost to the Eagles, it would have been called an ugly win that they just basically would have pulled out of their butt on the on the final play to a certain extent. So it's just kind of the nature of these two teams going toe-to-toe, I guess. 
uh, with, you know, you're not going to necessarily come in and, and do, I guess, what the Eagles did to the Falcons in 2016 when they just kind of dominated them in that game. Um, and, you know, I, I think you're right in terms of the team performing well. And I think really sort of, you know, and I, I just rewatched the game or at least just rewatched the first half, if I'm being completely honest. I, I looked at the <laughs> clock and was like, oh, we're going to do a recap pretty yep. quickly. I, I won't get to the second half of the game. But, um, you know, watching the game, you know, one of my takeaways was like the defense stepped up. Um, you know, I, I think towards the end of the game, there were some issues, but with the Falcons defense, beggars can't be choosers. But I felt like in this game, the defense kind of stood on their own and really sort of showed itself, okay, like, this is the makings of something positive. We've sort of been, I would say, led astray a little bit these last couple of years with this defense and buying into the hype. But I felt like, you know, at least in one game so far, you know, the defense was legitimate. I'm curious sort of what was your thoughts on the Falcons defense in this game against the Eagles? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I thought they they played better than a lot of people gave them credit for last week too. I mean, that was that was a no win situation for the team. You know, being down fourteen points in like the first five minutes, and then it was twenty eight to zero before they managed to score a point. Like that was a bad situation. I, I thought that they, you know, obviously weren't great, but I wasn't burying the defense for that performance. But this week, I thought the defense really did step up and play quite well. Um, all things considered, uh, you know. Obviously, looking at, you know, the defensive stats, you know, the yardage stats, I would say, like, ignore that because, (laughs) you know, the Vikings only put up 98 passing yards in week one. But um, looking at yards per play, which is, you know, a lot more of a meaningful stat, in my opinion, the Falcons are fifth in overall defensive yards per play, which I think is, that's not a fluke. I think that, um, you know, over the course of two games now, that could change a lot. It's, you know, two games, very small sample size, but that they are allowing only 4.6 yards per play. Um, that is, that is a legit um, yards per play amount. Like that is very good. Um, you know, even when they were giving up tons of rushing yards to the Vikings, they were still only allowing four and a half yards per rush against Minnesota, um, which is, that's a lot of yards per rush, but it's not catastrophic, like seven yards per carry type yards per rush, which you might've thought when you saw, you know, Dalvin Cook going off on all those long touchdown runs. But, you know, the passing defense, I think, um, in particular, it was kind of the roles were were a little bit reversed. Um, You know, we're used to the passing defense being, like, slightly better than the run defense. But I think that this year we've seen the run defense get gashed in week one, and then they just completely shut down the Eagles in week two. And then they didn't really get tested, the pass defense, against Minnesota week one. And then in week two – get tested a ton. I mean, I think Wentz attempted like 40 or more passes. So um, they didn't play perfectly, but as a whole unit, I, I was very impressed by by the pass rush in particular, but uh, Isaiah Oliver as well, um, you know, wasn't a perfect player in this game, but he made the plays that he needed to and, and looked more solid, um, which is important for the long haul here. But uh, yeah, to me, I think the biggest takeaway is that the pass rush against one of the NFL's premier offensive lines was – you know, the strength of the defense, which I don't remember the last time we could say that. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the the defensive front has played uh, reasonably well, and we've seen the pass rush get after the quarterback in both of these games. Obviously, Kirk Cousins barely threw the ball last week, so you couldn't really tell that they were getting after Kirk Cousins, uh, just given how little they, they threw the ball. But I thought, you know, going up against this Eagles offensive line, 
which is arguably one of the best in the league. And yeah, they had some injuries. Yeah, they had some injuries at the wide receiver position. And that probably is is one of the reasons, you know, that's a, certainly a contributing factor to maybe why the Eagles didn't necessarily play their best offensively and the Falcons' defense looked better. But again, it goes back to what I said, beggars can't be choosers. And really at this point in time, I think in the year, you're looking for something to build off. You're not looking for sort of the um, – you know, the thing to be finished or complete in that regard and you're building towards something. And I think for a lot of players, um, you know, this was a good build game because a lot of guys that struggled a week ago, I think played better, including Isaiah Oliver. And, and one player, you know, that doesn't get enough love, I think from the fan base is Desmond Trufant mm-hmm. um, for his, you know, really solid performance coming off the two interception game. You know, do you feel like this is, a game that, you know, at least will get Falcon fans off of Desmond Trufant's back for at least a, a couple of days or weeks, uh, <laughs> you know, in terms of the, the criticism that he, he tends to get. I mean, you know, as soon as any Falcons player gets money, they immediately get a target on their back. So, you know, this was inevitable with Desmond Trufant. But, yeah, I mean, Quinn has said, like, you know, all offseason Trufant made – it was an emphasis for him to improve his catching. Uh, he said, you know, he was – I think today Quinn mentioned, you know, Trufant's been spending a lot of time on the jugs machine and that sort of thing, which you don't usually hear a lot about corners doing that, um, but it was needed for Trufant. Like that was definitely the yeah. biggest weakness in his game. And, um, you know, the catch, like neither one of those was like a spectacular catch or anything, but just his anticipation on where the ball was going, his positioning, that was the key. And he's always been good there. Um, so, you know, I, I, maybe if he could convert, you know, he doesn't have to get two interceptions a game. I mean, that would be nice, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I've never like thought that he wasn't good, but you know, maybe this will like quiet down the, the rabble rousers for at least a few weeks. Uh, I know in the, in the chat on Falcoholic Live last night, you know, people were like, wait, is Desmond Trufant good now? You know what? I don't even have time for this, but. So uh, Kevin and I will keep this sort of conversation going, given our thoughts on more thoughts from this game. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the offense in this game coming up. Uh, But I want to let you guys know that Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns against zero blitzes in the final two minutes. Running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else quite like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than by betting on them. So do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. They have the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget that where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where you should too. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. So do the smart thing. If you're going to bet on football this season, bet with mybookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year to do so. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, Kevin, um, let's talk a little bit about the offense, which was not necessarily as positive a performance for in comparison to the defense, but they kind of figured it out by the end of the game and obviously sort of had that big play at the end of the game to sort of win it in sort of a crunch situation. I'm curious sort of just to get to, to go back and revisit the frame of mind when we were facing that fourth and three, given, you know, the questions about, okay, are the Falcons going to punt it and put the game on their defense? Are they going to go for it here sort of at midfield um, with, you know, all the questions surrounding Dan Quinn's game management stuff, the Falcons, you know, sort of have stalled a little bit on offense. Are they going to be able to convert? all the questions that were going through your mind at in the moment and in the sort of see Julio Jones break that long touchdown run and sort of ice it. Uh, you know, it, it's reminiscent, I guess, to me of that 2010 Ravens game uh, where Roddy White, you know, got a little bit of a push off, but we're not going to complain about it. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, sort of had the game winning touchdown on, on that particular play. And I'm, I'm sure there's numerous other examples that I'm forgetting in the year since with Julio and whatnot. Uh, but I'm, I'm just curious to sort of put yourself back in the frame of mind going into that play and then watching the play and then coming out of the play. Yeah. I mean, after, well, I, I had in our factaholic uh, group chat, group chat, I was, uh, you know, when the Eagles got the ball in that drive, that sent a message. I was like, okay, I know they're going to give up a touchdown this drive. I can feel it in my bones. Like this, this is touchdown is coming. And they did, you know, um, but, you know, so after that, of course, you know, it's the depths of despair, right? Like, oh, I've seen this. I've seen this story a million times. Like, I know how this thing yeah. ends. And, uh, you know, they got to that fourth and three. Like, to be honest, I I actually didn't even consider that they wouldn't go for it. Like, to me, that was such an obvious go for it situation that I didn't even consider that they might have punted. But I should have, you know, remembered that Dan Quinn is a madman sometimes. And, you know, this is not a safe bet. But they did go out there to attempt, you know, to, to get it. So that's good. Um yeah, I mean, I thought that was just a really, really awesome play call. Um, you know, Cutter came out today and said that they had that audible ready to go on every single play on that drive. They were waiting for the Eagles to show zero blitz. And as soon as Matt Ryan saw it, he was supposed to call that play and they were going to try to catch him. Um, and you could tell that they practiced that play a lot because Matthews like flew out of his stance and just flattened uh, that poor nickel corner. I think it was Maddox. That dude had no chance. And then, um, you know, Julio just, yeah, no one was catching him. He, he gained ground on the guy that was chasing him while he was running. So just a fantastic play. I mean, that was, that was just a, a true, true perfection on offense, you know, in a must, must score situation, fourth down, you know, all the stars aligned for that to be a really, you know, memorable play. And I'm, I was really glad to see that. And, um, you know, I think that play was super important, obviously because it put them ahead, but, um, you know, getting that type of energizing play for the defense, you know, who has to now go out on the field and make a stop, which is also, you know, very uncomfortable for us. Um, having that play before that, I think, is gave me some confidence because it's like, okay, these guys are going to be juiced up. Like, they're going to be hyped. You know, we're going to go out there. We're, we have a chance to get this stop. And, 
it was very nerve wracking, you know, uh, in typical Falcons fashion, but they did eventually get the stop. So overall, uh, pretty happy with that sequence of events. Yes. As the Falcons are wont to do, they're going to make it the hardest possible way <laughs> to yeah. sort of uh, win these games. They're going to, they're going to Falcon all the way up to the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah, I think you're right. Getting the crowd into it and behind them, you know, for that final drive uh, certainly helped. Uh, I'm curious because this is one of the things I talked about on Lockdown Falcons on yesterday's episode. But like, if if the shoe had been on the other foot and and the Falcons were up twenty to seventeen and the, they needed to get a stop and it was a fourth and three and Dan Quinn had called a zero blitz. Would, and and that would have happened. Say Aguilar would have busted the game-winning touchdown. I said on on Lockdown Falcons that I, we would be talking about firing Dan Quinn right now. Um, <laughs> I, I'm curious, sort of like you know, and it's just not meant to take anything away from the Falcons, but like, why did what like what's going on? Like, did was Jim Schwartz being way way too aggressive? And you know, I saw the stat today that they called eight. Yeah, zero blitzes, and they had some success. That Ronald Darby interception was on a zero blitz. I know the the overthrow that to Justin Hardy in the end zone, I think, was a zero blitz mm-hmm. as well. So clearly, the Falcons had tried to attack that down the field and didn't necessarily come up. And so, of course, they seemingly made the adjustment to be like, "Hey, why don't we just throw a high percentage pass, get it to into the hands of our playmaker?" And it, you know, particularly in a fourth and three situation, like it, if he just gets a five yard gain it's worth it. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm curious sort of where your thoughts <laughs> yeah. on, on what the Eagles were thinking on that particular play and, and sort of obviously the Falcons benefiting from it. Yeah. I mean, to me, like cover zero, like, you know, zero blitz, that sort of thing. Like that's what you run. If you don't trust your pass rush at all, like you only have, like you should only go to that. If you're like, I know we're not going to get home. We need to get pressure. Like somehow I don't care. Like let's go all out. Or you like mix it in occasionally to try to catch, a young quarterback off guard or something, but like, this is Matt Ryan. Like you're a madman, Jim Schwartz. Like the fact that they kept going back to it too. Like if you mixed it in every now and then, so it was unpredictable. Um, that's one thing, you know, you catch, catch guys off guard, whatever. But like the Falcons were like, okay, well we like actually, he was doing it so much that we literally put in a play call to take advantage of it and then scored the game winning touchdown on it. Like, I don't know. Like I, I'm very much a fan of like aggressive, play calling on offense and defense. Like I I'm definitely a fan of third down blitzes and things like that, but not zero blitzes for God's sake, man, at least play cover one. Like it's tough, just cover one at least like, you know, I, I just, like, I trust know, my course. Yeah, like that, most that, people, you know, but uh, that was yeah. the thing I said, like, why, why are you pushing all your chips into the middle of the table? Like there's still two minutes left in the game. Like you don't have to get the, like, if you get the stop here, obviously you kind of win the game, but even if you don't get the stop, like you still have like I don't know like two more minutes to stop the Falcons and still win the game and basically like Jim Schwartz made the decision of like no we're either going to end the game right here or we're going to lose the game right here for <laughs> some odd reason and I just don't get it and I'm like obviously I'm not complaining about it because obviously the Falcons benefited from it and I'm glad you know they made the adjustment for once and, and took advantage of the Eagles making a mistake which seemingly has been few and far between these last couple of outings. So, you know, I'm glad that the shoe was on the other foot, but it was just like crazy to me. Like even today, to this day, I'm like, what, what, like, yeah, just, I can't imagine what the locked on Eagles host is saying on, on his podcast and what other Eagles fans are saying. Like, cause like this yeah. just, it was just kind of ridiculous to, to, to call that in that situation and, and just basically kind of hand the game to the Falcons 
Um, yeah. I do like that but, better than rushing like two or three. However, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he almost got there. Like, it, yeah. like when you, if Matt Ryan had held on to the ball for like a, a split second longer, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they they would have broken it up. But it was just, I don't know. It's just crazy to me that you would call that in that particular <laughs> in situation. That situation. But, yeah, hey, I Falcons mean, yeah, took care, exactly. took care of business. They did. They did. And um, I was like, yeah, I. I just I don't get it. Uh, like we would have vilified Dan Quinn for that call. So it's yeah. I mean, like zero and two, and you you make like arguably a terrible call to end the game. Like, uh, yeah, I think Falcons Atlanta radio would have been you know blowing up today with like Dan Quinn's got to go. Like this is <laughs> it's it's over. You know yes. if if that had been a good situation, but you know the benefit that Jim Schwartz has is that you know he had like the league's best defense and they won a Super Bowl 2 years ago so i guess he can ride that for at least another year or two before people are like hey wait maybe maybe this is a problem and you know, maybe <laughs> you know maybe don't do that yeah, maybe, yeah exactly maybe know. don't you know do zero blitzes like constantly you know just you're <laughs> this isn't you know Greg Williams over here so <laughs> Um, you know, I want to sort of wrap up today's episode with Kevin getting some more additional thoughts on this game and, and maybe some things that we can see to come in the in the coming uh, games and weeks. But uh, in, in case you're out there and you're not as committed to the 2019 season as maybe Kevin and I are, and you do want to turn your attention to the 2020 NFL draft, there are, of course, a multitude of college football shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network, as well as two draft-related shows, the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast and the Draft Dudes Podcast. You can find them on your favorite podcast platform, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't you guys love a night out? And maybe you want to go out and see your favorite band, head to the theater, or be there in person for the very next Falcons home game, cheering them on in the crowd. And with Vivid Seats, you can. Now you can attend any concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats offers an easy purchasing experience as well as an in-app loyalty program called Vivid Seats Rewards. With reward statuses ranging from MVP to Hall of Famer, customers can earn from 10% up to 16% credit on all their purchases through the app. Just go to the App Store, download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Reward Loyalty Program and will enjoy credits on all their purchases as part of that program. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. In addition to joining the Vivid Seats Reward Loyalty Program, when you use the Vivid Seats app, go ahead and when you're at the checkout, enter the promo code KICKOFF and you can receive a discount of up to $100. Again, download the app, join Vivid Seats Rewards today, and use that promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite life event. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But, you know, to to turn the attention back more on sort of the Falcons taking care of business, I'm curious to get your thoughts 
on this offensive line because one of the things I noticed was that we didn't get absolutely obliterated by this Eagles pass rush when they rushed four, like has normally been. Like basically, like anytime we didn't have like seven guys protecting Matt Ryan in some of these previous games, it was like a sack. It was a hit every single time, and and that was not the case. And I'm I'm curious. Do you feel like this offensive line, despite the injury to to Chris Lindstrom, despite Caleb McGarry missing a significant chunk of the game, you know, this is what the Falcons envisioned for their offensive line to be much improved uh, this season. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but, you know, you're you're down, you know, a starter at right guard, um, you know, your starter at right tackle leaves, and then miraculously comes back into the game. Like, I, I no lie, like, I thought that was a season-ending injury for McGarry. Like, he could not put weight on it. it. It looked bad. He was in a lot of pain. This man comes back into the football game in the second half. Like, this, I don't, I don't even know how to describe that, but he's just a total Iron Man. Um, but, yeah, I mean – Jamon Brown, for some reason, Jamon Brown is is Fletcher Cox's kryptonite. Like he just he stopped he shut him down last year when the Giants played him too. I just don't uh, I don't understand that. Um, I'm not arguing with it. You know, maybe that's why Dimitrov signed him after all was just so he could come in and you know neutralize Fletcher Cox in this game. But um, you know, Brown I thought was fine. Uh, James Carpenter has been very very solid at left guard, um, which is you know what they need. Matt Ryan does not need like an elite offensive line. He's not one of those quarterbacks like <clears throat> Jared Goff. That, um, mm. you know, uh, if he has pressure in his face, all of a sudden turns into a pumpkin. Uh, Matt Ryan can, like, navigate some pressure. He just can't have guys in his face literally every play. And um, I was I was very satisfied with this game. We, we did see against Washington that the Eagles struggled to pressure them as well, which is unusual because they didn't have Trent Williams in Washington. And that offensive line is, you know, just okay. Uh, so I was, I was a little bit, you know, surprised that they – the Eagles weren't able to pressure Washington either. And they really, they were pressuring Ryan, but they only did manage to get the one sack and the Falcons as a whole, I thought moved the ball pretty well. Um, the run game, you know, eh, like not, not so great, but as a whole, I, I was pretty impressed with the offensive line and Jim Dimitrov looks like a genius for signing an extra starting guard, you know, that Lindstrom's uh, on IR. So, you know, Hey, I, I guess, I guess uh, every, you know, every clock's right twice a day right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you mentioned the running game, and I, I thought the thing I have sort of observed from the running game, it wasn't great, but I felt like they were able to get enough on first downs in the game to keep the offense on schedule and prevent them from getting into these, you know, second and really longs and third and longs where the Eagles pass rush was able to pin their ears back. And I think early in the game, they got into some of those situations and it led to them, you know, sort of being forced to punt the ball. And then I think as the game picked up, they were able to get a little bit better. So, I, you know, I think really that's all you're really hoping from this running game against this Eagles front is just sort of like if we can just get like four yards on first down, if we can just, you know, get three or four yards and, and prevent ourselves from being in like third and nine and third and ten or, or whatever the case may be. So, you know, I think, you know, I, I guess that's for me like a lot of the criticism that Devontae Freeman's gotten so far this season because you look at the numbers and you're like, oh, Devontae Freeman's bad. And it's like, well, you know, I think maybe against Minnesota he was, but I think against Philadelphia he kind of did his job, which is what you wanted him to do. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I I think the Falcons just need to, like, you know, chuck all this, you know, we need to establish the run talk into the sun because it's pretty clear based on their, you know, number of uh, rushing attempts that this was just a bald-faced lie. And I'm glad that it was, but – 
Um, you know, like this team had you like you're, you're telling me you want to establish the run. You you spent like eight million a year on Mohamed Sanu. You just made Julio Jones the most highly paid receiver in football, and you spent a first round pick on Calvin Ridley. Get out of here with this nonsense about wanting to establish the run, okay? Uh, but yeah, I mean, the one thing I I have noticed about the run game has been when they've needed to run it on third and one or third and two and get just a couple yards to keep the chains moving. They've gotten it, I think, almost every time. Like, I don't think they've been stuffed on a third down run maybe more than once so far this year. Um, and that that has been a that has has been a consistent problem for the team in years past. Um, but like, if if that's if if the running game is good enough to pick up a couple yards when they need it, and that's that's I think all you really need uh, from that running game. And then you know, obviously, if you can you know ice away games late. Um, you know, when you have a lead, that's that's something that's valuable as well. But they don't need this to be a great running game. They just need it to be functional. And I, I think it is functional. Um, and the threat of, you know, Freeman running on a third and one or the Falcons passing is is a big boost to, you know, converting those downs. Because if you have if a defensive lineman knows you can't convert the the third down with the running game, then they're just gonna, you know, pin their ears back and go after Ryan and you know, really play those receivers tight. Um, but if they have to defend the run, you know, not knowing what's going to happen on a play is one of the biggest things that helps a play become successful. So, uh, you know, I, I'm all for having a, a solid running game. And I think that's what we'll be looking at when it's all said and done. So, um, you know, I, I kind of want to wrap up and, and get some, you know, maybe some additional thoughts that you have on this game and, and maybe some standout performances or, or whatever takeaways that you have, as well as sort of, you know, how the Falcons can move forward and build off of this and, and certain things that you feel like, uh, you know, are on track or, or, you know, are slowly progressing to getting on track for the rest of this 2019 season. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> obviously the Ryan interceptions are uh, not ideal. He uh, needs to not do that if possible. Um, the the yeah. Falcons probably would have won this deep, game by in, double digits. Yeah. Yeah, don't uh, do that. Don't, don't do that throw right. picks. Yeah. Uh, that's my take. For today. <laughs> but um, you know, if they if they don't throw that pick you know, in the end zone, you know, we're probably looking at at least three points there. If Bryant doesn't shank that kick, you know, we're looking at probably at least six points. They just totally left on the field that they should have had. Um, you know, the Falcons at that point are winning comfortably thirty to twenty uh, at the end of the game, and you know, it's a different narrative, and it should have been more probably. Like it, it, it was a weird dichotomy in this game because I thought the Falcons moved the ball well. And Matt Ryan looked great, except when he didn't. Like he was, they were like dicing up the Eagles' secondary, and then he just throws a bad ball and gets picked off. And then it's like, oh crap, okay. And then they come back, they they're dicing up the secondary, another bad ball. Oh, picked again, okay, crap. And then at the end of the game, it's like he has three touchdowns and three interceptions and like three hundred plus yards. Like I don't know what happened here, but he wasn't bad. You know, I thought. Uh, like if you just watched his good plays in that game, you would be like, Oh man, this was like one of his signature games, but he threw those picks, which is bad. So I, I, I think it's just early season stuff. I mean, we we've seen Ryan throw more interceptions than normal when he's transitioning to a new offensive coordinator and cutter is like quote unquote new, you know, he's familiar with the offense obviously, but I think, I think this is a temporary thing. These picks, um, you know, we saw the offense kind of look disjointed in week one this week. They looked like they were a step ahead of where they were last week and starting to come together. And um, maybe this week against Indianapolis, we'll see, you know, the fully formed final form of the, uh, the Falcons offense and they start to really light teams up. That would, that would be nice. So I'm going to, I'm going to hope for that one. Any other thoughts, Kevin, before we get out of here? 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, sip some tea, I think, for telling people not to uh, panic after week one. Uh, so, you know, all the haters out there, shout out to you guys uh, for giving up on the team after week one. Uh, this is this is why you don't do that. Um, at the same time, like, I would not overreact in the other direction either. Like, you know, this, this Falcons team has put together, you know, a flaming dumpster in week one and then, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty good but flawed, you know, week two. So, like, let's see them, you know, put together another good game in week three before we anoint them. But um, obviously you feel pretty good coming off this game because the Eagles are a very strong opponent, even, you know, injured uh, as they were, you know, later in the game. Um, I I think it's an impressive win because of who it is. And I think that the team really did exercise some of their, their worst demons, you know, shout out to my article that posted at 6 PM, which is titled that. Uh, So, you know, they, they didn't give up a fourth quarter. They didn't give it, give it up at the end of the game and they did score, when they had to against the Eagles. So, ha, take that, you know, tropes. We're done with you. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully that will never happen again uh, until it does. Hopefully. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, Kevin, uh, let the people know where they can find that article as well as what else you got coming on Twitter in the Falcoholic in the in the future. Yeah, so that, that article, which is about the Falcons exercising some of their worst demons against the Eagles, uh, that posted on the Falcoholic uh, Monday evening. So check that out if you like. Uh, I also have an interview, uh, exclusive interview that I did with Morton Anderson um, coming out. The first part was going to come out later this week. So check that out. And that's going to be going for a few weeks because he was awesome and talked to me for like 30 minutes, which was really cool. Um, And then, uh, yeah, the show is the Falcoholic Live. We are on YouTube on Wednesday nights, 8, 10 p.m. Eastern. And then uh, after the games, we go on for, you know, half an hour or so as well. So check that out if you're looking for more Falcons audio slash video content. You know, if you want to just, you know, turn off your screen and just listen to the audio, you know, I won't be offended. But, you know, it, if you want just a podcast, you guys know where to go. Aaron's got a great podcast here. And the, the, the site, the Falcolic also has a podcast with uh, DW and Gina that's it's also pretty good. So, you know, check those guys out too. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. At Falcolic Kevin on yeah. Twitter. Post. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's the same it's as Vic Beasy. It's fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's some fighting words, though, man. <laughs> um, Kevin, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm sure we'll get an opportunity to, to talk uh, a little bit later this year. Yeah, man, I, I really do appreciate you coming on and, and, and chatting Falcons with me, and we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. All right, man. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.